Welcome back to Novel Idea Podcast with Liz and Athaya. So right off the bat, um... We did not read Dune. (laughs) Uh, Full disclosure, I watched the 80s movie just to figure out what the plot was because I started reading Dune and I got very confused because they would throw out really bizarre words, but then like a character would be named Jessica and it was just throwing my head for a loop. Yeah, the the main character's mom's named Jessica. It felt very conflicting in my mind. Anyway. That's like having someone in Star Wars named Brian. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It was so weird. And then the main character's name is Paul. Mm-mm. Paul. Mm-mm. I, I can't take you serious when your name is Paul. Yeah. So instead of we doing what we said we were going to do. We didn't. We didn't do that. And we decided, in honor of Halloween and it being, since it's October and it's spoopy month. And we um, didn't want to read Dune. <laughs> we didn't want to read Dune. <laughs> we decided to read, actually, different books. Yay! Trying something new. Yeah. And uh, we both picked something in the horror thriller genre. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to do, like, a brief recap. So this episode is going to be more loosey-goosey, more chitty-chatty. Yeah, just as kind of basically our natural habitat, if yes. you will. And, if you uh, saw us in a zoo, we would be in chairs with coffee, <laughs> talking just like this. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, full disclosure, neither of us really liked our books anyway, so... And it just seems like, <laughs> are we ever going to have a book that we like? You know what? We liked, um... Lakewood? Lakewood, thank Lakewood you. Was pretty crazy. Lakewood yeah. was good. Um, I like The Curious Incident of the Dog of the Nighttime. It's one of those things where, like, I can like a book... But I don't think I would reread it because it bums me out. This is true. I think we've been reading a lot of bummers. Um, I liked Stiff, but I'm not great at reading nonfiction. So that took me a while to get through. Yeah, it was really interesting, but it was like very information heavy. Yes. Oh, and um, the uh, Amy Tan book. Oh, yeah. I love the Joy Luck Club. Yeah, that one was good, too. But again, makes me cry (laughs) every time. I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, we have clinical depression and we're just lured in by sad things. But uh, we need to pick some happier books. Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, Yeah, I just finished listening to The Midnight Library by Matt Haig and I was telling you about it. It's Mm. really good. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it was like actually uplifting, and I'm like, oh, it's a 35 year old main character, and she's dealing with things that I'm dealing with, not a 21 year old doing stupid stuff that I would never ever see myself doing. Yeah. So it's like hard to find the balance of like not restricting yourself to one genre and one type of book, but also finding stuff you relate to. It's a, it's a hard hard line to walk. Yeah. Now that I'm like on book talk on TikTok, it's a lot of spicy recommendations. I don't like spicy recommendations. I'm not going to read them. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, people have their favorites, but for me, um, physical intimacy is actually something I struggle with in real life. So it is very, I just can't get out of my head when I read books like that. Cause I'm just like, "Mm, no, I can't picture myself doing this. This would never happen to me. No. We talk about this all the time, but I'm a yearning person. I like the yearning. I need the we don't touch until like the very last chapter and then it's a kiss. Love that. I love the pining. Love the yearning. You would like (laughs) K-dramas. I probably would. I need to get into them because most TV shows have way too much of the uh, the sexy times for me. (laughs) Yeah, because (laughs) K-dramas, man, it takes them like freaking five years to finally get to the point. And I'm like, 
Oh my god. There have been so many misconnections, okay? No, see, I don't like that. Yeah. I like it when, like, they know they like each other, but it's like, I don't know, like, we're together, but we can't be intimate for some reason, and it's like, Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite mm, movies, mm-hmm, books, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Love the hand grab, love the hand flex. It's like, oh my god, we brushed hands, and I'm like, yes, oh my god, that's so intimate. You know what's crazy? I don't think I've read, like, a... a like a contemporary romance that I was like, this is great. I don't think so. Well, actually, um, Sarah Dessen's books, they're pretty tame. Yeah. They're cute. They're YA. They're a little bit young, but I love them and they always make me happy. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, why wasn't my life like this when I was in high school? I call those books my candy books because they're just so easy to read and it's just like fluffy for your brain Mm -hmm. and it just immediately fills you with serotonin. Yeah. This book did not fill me with serotonin. (laughs) I finished reading it this morning and um, I think I want to Well, say what the book is. Oh, it's the... um, (laughs) I hope you can guess from my description what it is. Um, it's called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. Turton? Turton? Um, Looks like Turton. Turton. Like turtle, but Turton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the UK, it's called The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. And I was looking online, like, reviews on YouTube, and I was like, um, is my book the same? Like, seven and seven and a half are two different numbers. Yes. There's yeah. a point five in there that uh, separates those numbers. Yeah. So it's the right book. They just named it different in the U.S. Like with the Harry Potter. Stone. I don't understand that. Which also, if you, um, real quick, if you watch the podcast, not just listen to us, we are wearing our Harry Potter robes mm, in mm, honor mm, of mm, Halloween mm, mm, and mm, books. Mm, 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 I'm a Slytherin. She's a Gryffindor. Yeah. And we somehow make it work still, you know? You know, it's funny because our high school colors were basically those colors just reversed. Oh my god, yeah! My high school had red colors, her high school had green colors, but uh, we're the opposite. Yeah, that's hilarious. And they were rivals too. Yeah, they were also rivals. Yeah. And somehow we're BFFs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to the seven and a half deaths. Thank you to Newbridge Middle for being a magnet school. Shout out. That brought us together (laughs) from different sides of... Jackson, North Carolina. Because we started off as friends in fifth grade, but you were only there for like a week. Yeah. Long enough for us to form a decent bond, and then it just strengthened through middle school. I think about that, and I'm like, that's actually pretty crazy. Thank God we were young. Yeah. That's so wild. (laughs) It was just because we were kids. We managed to make it work. Yeah, because you're the only person I talk to on the regular basis. Everyone that I went to school with. (laughs) <laughs> don't talk to anyone. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, again, this podcast is going to be a lot more relaxed. A lot yeah. of chitty chat. So yeah. sorry about that in yeah. advance if you don't like that. Yeah, we vented for like an hour and a half before. We got we- that out of the way so you didn't have to hear it. Right. Got a lot of venting, but uh, now we're talking about books. Okay, so my book, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Um, here's like a synopsis. I wrote it down. We have notes today. So um, it's about this guy. His name is Aiden Bishop. Um, and basically he's kind of in like a time loop, kind of like Groundhog Day. This book is like Groundhog Day and an Agatha Christie novel, pretty much. Interesting. Um, so the same day is repeated eight times and it's like one day, um, one full day and then he has to do it again the second day. But every day he sees it through the eyes of a different person. 
Whoa. Um, yeah. So Also, full disclosure, I have no, like, we haven't talked about each other's books to each other, so this is all new information to me, too. Yeah. That sounds like a trip. Yeah. Anyway, so keep going. So, the beginning of the book, you get an invitation to this party that's happening at the Blackheath house. And so, Evelyn Hardcastle and Peter Hardcastle are holding this party for Evelyn Hardcastle, and then there's Michael Hardcastle, who's Evelyn's brother. Got it. So... Um, on the back of the book, it says Aiden Bishop and blah, blah, blah. But I was looking at the invitation and I'm like, where's this Aiden person's name? And so he's just a totally random person who wasn't even a guest there. And okay. so you don't find out how he came to be there until like much later. Okay. So each day he's seeing it from the point of view as one of the guests in the, uh, in the, in the house. So is he, wait, so he's just like a soul. Does he exist, like, physically? He does. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't know, dude. Already my mind is like, okay, I'm gonna have to read the book because I'm so confused. Okay, let me tell you, okay? Because from the beginning, <laughs> this guy has no idea what's happening. And I so wouldn't either. Us, him not knowing, me not knowing. This I'm sounds like, worse than Groundhog Day because he wakes, so he wakes up on the same day as a different person or just seeing things through a different person's eyes as a different person the same day but goes through that person's routines so he has no control he he does have control okay but I... it's crazy because here get this okay there's a there's a character in the book he's the plague doctor so he's wearing like a plague doctor mask and everything and it's this guy that's kind of so it's a costume him. party yeah okay yeah um, so he kind of shows up in and out to give Aiden some tips. And he was like, the first time he met him, Aiden was like, are you an enemy? I don't know. Um, but eventually the plague doctor's like, yeah, there are actually other people playing this too. And if like someone figures out this whole murder thing before you, then you are going to be here forever, pretty much. And it's weird because he wants to work with these people, but the people can't tell him things that they know that they found out ahead of him because if Aiden makes the wrong choice he'll f mess up like the future happenings it is crazy this uh okay this is already giving me a headache <laughs> yeah okay so the first day he's in the body of Sebastian Bell it's his doctor and so he comes to and the first thought he has in his mind is this person's name Anna okay so he wakes up in the woods has no idea how he got there and so he's trying to make his way back trying to follow something um, and then he hears someone scream, help me. And then he hears a gunshot. And so then he thinks, okay, this Anna, maybe I was looking for her. And so he tries to look for her, can't find her. Then he starts hearing footsteps. Someone comes up behind him, gives him a compass and is like, hey, follow this east. And then just disappears. And so he gets... <laughs> La -da 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 -da. Yeah. So he gets to the house. Everyone's like, bro, like, where were you? You look like trash. What's going on? And so he's telling everybody like oh, is there an Anna in this house? Like, Anna needs help. And so this guy, Daniel, is like, hey, let's get you back to your room and get you cleaned up, and then we can talk about this. And so they were talking about it. This Aiden's, like, freaking out, doesn't know what's happening, doesn't recognize his body, doesn't know anything. And then Michael Hardcastle comes by and is like, hey, we're all going to go out hunting. I'll let everyone know that we're just going to sweep the woods, sweep the area, and, and see what's going on. Yeah. So they all go hunting. Aiden doesn't go, and then he runs into Evelyn Hardcastle. Evelyn takes a liking to him, I guess. Okay. Because the day before, apparently, Sebastian acted differently. So now that he's Aiden, he's acting like he doesn't know shit, because he doesn't. And so Evelyn is like, 
oh, I'm going to tell you freaking everything, secrets, and we're going to have a fun time and blah, blah, blah. So we learned from Evelyn, and this is messed up, that her mom basically blames her for her older brother's death. Oh, wonderful. So, what a lovely family already. Yeah, 19 years ago, Evelyn was like a kid, and she's like, you know what? Instead of watching my siblings and my little cousins or whatever, I'm going to go ride a pony because I don't freaking care. And during that time... I mean, if you have those options, which would you rather do know, as exactly. a child? I'd yeah. rather ride a pony too. Yeah, so... Thomas went to do his own thing and he ended up getting murdered by this guy named Charlie Carver. There's a lot of murder right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> so Helena, the mom, blames her for it. Okay. So Helena decides to do this whole party on the 19th anniversary of Thomas's death and like make Evelyn the guest of honor. And so Evelyn's like, I don't know what to expect, but Catch it's not going to be great because my mom's a bitch. And a psycho, apparently. Yeah, so her mom freaking sucks. And so the second day, he gets into the body of this dude named Roger Collins. He's a butler. So when he was Sebastian and he knocked on the door to the house, this guy answered the door. He recognized that. As and this is all the same day again. The same day again, but through Roger's eyes. Through the butler's eyes. Through the butler's eyes. So he's the butler now. Okay. And so he he remembers the day before as Sebastian that this butler ends up getting the shit beat out of him by another guest. And so he's Oh God, like, I don't want to live through that. Great. Now I have to do this too. And so he ends up bumping into Gregory Gold, which is one of the guests. And that's who beats the shit out of him for just bumping into him. I mean, his name is Gregory Gold. Yeah. That already sounds like... I don't know, a miser or something. Yeah, he's a... Like Scrooge McDuck. He's a jerk. And he's <laughs> the artist for the family. So he got called, like, to retouch the, the paintings of the house to be like, hey, 19 years later, retouch these paintings. Whatever. I don't know. It's also, the people that are there are the same people that were there the day that Thomas died. That were all at the house. Like, how... This mom is crazy. Bleak is that? She's like, I'm going to recreate my son's death. Yeah. Is the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, I want you all to feel awkward and miserable. So. <laughs> I don't like that. With Roger Collins, he keeps going in and out of consciousness, obviously, because he got the shit beat out of him. Oh my God. And so whenever this happens, like when he passes out, he goes to the third day and he's Donald Davies. And so whenever one of his people like go to sleep, he'll go back to another person who hasn't completed a day yet. Okay. And so that's kind of confusing. Yeah. So he passes out on and on as this guy. Basically, Roger doesn't really accomplish anything because he's just passing out the whole time. <laughs> and he, like, every time he wakes up... This is up, not a helpful life to live on this day. Yeah. Every time he wakes up, like, someone's in the room giving him something to go to sleep. He'll see the plague doctor and the plague doctor's like, hey, so time's a ticking. And the chick who he... So wait, is the plague doctor actually there? Or he's, is he just like a like a figure that no one else can see but this dude? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. he's like a haunted figure. Kind of, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. And so Anna um, is another person that Aiden finds is that's in this kind of loop thing. And so for her, she doesn't switch into different bodies. She stays in her same body. But, well, lucky her, I guess. Um, her memories get wiped every day, like before every day. At least Aiden can keep his memories. So hers gets wiped, and so she has to learn everything every day. Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, this sucks. And so, so it's like they're playing the same game, but they each have a different challenge to get through. Yeah, so they're, they're working together. Since she's like, like a scullery maid, she can kind of like weave in and out and get mm. secrets and stuff. 
So he turns into Donald Davies on the third day. Um, he He's still not understanding the whole point of this because the plague doctor was like, you literally have one option. Like, there, Evelyn Cas- Castle or Hardcastle is going to die and you need to tell me who does it and why before 11 o'clock on the eighth day or you're going to like have to do this over again. And apparently, it's like a high stakes clue. Yeah, he's done this like thousands of times apparently. Oh my god. Yeah, and the plague doctor has like switched the order of the host that he's been through to to see like what will work and what won't work. So the third day he's Donald Davies and he's like, I'm going to run away and blah, blah, blah. And so he drives a car like hours away and then the car runs out of gas and then he walks for more hours and then he passes out from fatigue. And so he's another pointless character too. That's a great use of my day. So if he can control what these characters do, I'm going to call them characters because that's how it's making sense in my brain. He can control what these characters do. Why is he doing what they do? I don't know, man. Because like technically he has free will, but like these things have already happened. So it's like his urge, he has like the urge to do them. Yeah. And so he has to go through the motion. Yeah. See, that just sucks. That's not fair. Yeah. That's not fair. And so it's towards the end where he realizes like, oh, if I make small different changes, I can actually change the outcome from one day to another. So. Oh, so he hasn't even learned that yet. No. It is. This sounds slightly tedious. I'm not going to lie. Slightly tedious. It was kind of super slow going. (laughs) Okay. So day four is when it actually picks up. Oh, thank God. He's in the body of Lord Cecil Ravencourt. And this guy is like super fat, super weak, loves to eat a lot. And he has a valet named Charles Cunningham. Okay. And uh, I feel bad for Charles because he has to like, like lift him up into the bath and like wash him and like help walk him places. But he turns out to be like a super duper awesome valet. Um, Aiden gets the qualities of these characters. So when he was Sebastian, he's like, oh, this guy must be like a coward. And when he's Ravencourt, he's like, oh, this guy's like specializes in blackmail and getting what he wants and weaseling people. And that's kind of what happens. He finally like sneaky sneak. Yeah, he finally starts getting freaking answers. Oh, thank so, God. I know. Um, he explains everything to Cunningham and Cunningham's like, mm, okay, I'll question people if you want, weirdo. <laughs> um, and so he learns then that there are more players involved um and what's happening okay so he's talking to cunningham and cunningham's like look i don't really want to help you like my job here is just like help you bait like i'm not doing all this to get in trouble (laughs) and so ravencourt's like oh yeah well i know that you have a secret and look under the envelope under your chair and so cecil totally out of his ass is like one of these other players must have figured out something to get this guy to help me yeah so cunningham looks under his chair he reads the envelope and Ravencourt's like, I don't know what it says, but I know it's about you. And so Cunningham reads it and he's like, okay, I uh, guess I'm helping you. <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it was ha- helped me. Yeah. So they go through the day. Ravencourt's getting answers. He's learning things, writing things down. He like writes notes in this encyclopedia and he's like, all right, someone's going to find it. One of my other hosts is going to find it. And they're going to like write notes and we can get information together. Um, so they have dinner. And then it's announced that him and Evelyn are engaged. And everybody looks disgusted at the table. And Evelyn's like, you know, because he's fat and old. And it turns out it's like a money thing. Because the the house is like in super disrepair. Uh, And then he looks at Cunningham. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, "Um, you humiliated me. So I humiliated you. So. Funsies. Yeah, tit for tat. 
So then they go to the masquerade ball at the end. I think he's like the first character that we see that he goes to the ball. And so he's chilling on the couch. I was about to say, through none of this, you have mentioned the actual party. So I'm like, so just none of these first couple characters go to the actual party. Yeah. So I'm invited to a swanky party. I'm going to go eat some shrimp. Exactly. So he finds the couch. He starts to sit down. He gets champagne. And then he sees someone in a plague doctor costume. And so he goes to try to chase him. And it turns out this kid actually got showed where this costume was was in the attic and there's like a bunch of people at the party wearing the same costume and he's like suspicious this guy's like one step ahead of me and then evelyn's missing and then we all go outside and evelyn has killed herself and fell into like a reflection pool but clearly someone killed her yeah like someone caused her to make her kill herself got it pretty much and we need to figure out why okay so day five he's jonathan derby which He's a disgusting rapist, apparently. Oh, how pleasant. He woke up as this guy and is like walking around the kitchen and stuff. And everyone's looking at him like he's a disgusting person. He's like, I don't know what is going on, whatever. And so he goes into the woods and he sees Madeline, who is Evelyn's handmaid. And he's like trying to chase her to ask her questions and be like, hey, where's Evelyn? So he's chasing her and... She, like, drops what she was carrying and is, like, sprinting away from him. And she's, like, trying to grab him. And so, or grab her. And then all of a sudden, a shot gets shot at him. And he's like, whoop. And so Evelyn shows up and she's like, if you touch her, if you look at her, if you do anything untoward to any woman in this house, I'm going to fucking kill you. And that's when he realizes, oh, I'm a rapist. And this is what I heard when I was Sebastian Bell. So it was actually Madeline screaming, help me. And then Evelyn shooting that shot. Got it. Yeah. So. Full circle. Yeah, so his mom is Millicent Derby. He's talking to her, hot-gossing. His mom is basically an enabler that lets him get away with shit, and she handles everything every time there's, like, a rape situation. So that's cool. What a wonderful little family. All these people sound wonderful. Yeah, they're pretty trash. And so uh, this guest, his name is Stan Wynn, his, like, bodyguard person's like, hey, Jonathan, Stan Wynn wants to talk to you. And so he goes to Stan Wynn's room, and Stan Wynn's like, Used to be like a servant, but he actually killed the guy who killed Thomas Hardcastle. So he was like promoted to like a gentleman. So he wants to be treated special. So this guy. I'm now a gentleman. You'll treat me as such. Pretty much. I would like to be promoted to gentleman. And also because he was a servant, he has like a bunch of blackmail on everybody. And so he's talking to Jonathan. He's like, hey, so your mom owes me a ton of money. Like it would be sad if she didn't pay me because, you know, I could can kill her pretty much and jonathan's like "Mm, okay weirdo his bodyguard beats him up and so he ends up going back to stanwin's room to try to find like blackmail stuff on him and he finds stanwin's notebook in the fireplace but then as he's like looking at it someone comes up behind him and smashes a vase on his head so he he passes out oh my goodness gracious so time and again he switches to the butler's body and nothing can happen pretty much it's pretty annoying so day six, he's Edward Dance, who's this old guy who, in his head, apparently he's, like, super courteous, doesn't, like, talk about how he's in pain when he's in pain, because he's, like, super proud. It's super weird. And like, sad. Yeah, really sad. But he's kind of, like, super formidable and super stern, and so he's able to get some answers out of people. Right. So he talks to Peter Hardcastle. Um, Edward is, like, fixing the contract for Evelyn and... Ravencourt's marriage and so they have like a kind of personal like relationship and so 
in the appearance of being like, I need to know everything so that I can add it to the contract and nothing can be like redone or like, you know, like tampered with. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, hey, like, what's the deal with Cunningham? Because Cunningham, the ballet, Aiden knows there's something about him because he got that envelope about the blackmail and he's like, I don't know what that is. So he's asking, he's asking Peter about it. Turns out that everybody thought that Cunningham was Peter's bastard child. But it's actually his wife's bastard child. And the father is Charlie Carver, the guy who murdered her son, Thomas. Can I just say, there are way too many characters. Uh, Yeah. Right off the bat. There's too many players on this board game. Yeah. God forbid it was me in this situation where some death-like figure, I'm going to call him death. He reminds me of like a death figure. You know, plague mask guy is like, hey, you have to keep reliving the same day and piece all these things together. I'd be like, well, I guess I'm here for an eternity. Also, I might as well enjoy the party. You seem to be some superhuman being. Why can't you figure Why? this out? Figure it out. Why am I doing your work for you? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing here. So he figures out that Cunningham is actually Peter's child. Oh my goodness Which is gracious. like, okay, all right. And so then he ends up questioning a stable master and the stable master tells him like, yeah, Charlie Carper never can kill Thomas. He just like studied it so that um, Helena wouldn't get in trouble because when they were discovered, it was just Helena there and like her kid had a knife in his throat. So he's like, all right, so that you don't get blamed. I'll like, I'll like blame myself. And then he got killed. I don't know. Um, everyone's pissed that Stanwin is blackmailing them. And so someone kills Stanwin. But it's like stupid because like the next day, like everything's the same. So it doesn't really matter. Wonderful. Yeah. And so the third or the seventh day, He's this guy named Jim Rashton, which I was, like, hoping that he was, like, black. I don't know. The last name sounded interesting, but no, he's not. But he's an, an inspector, which is great. So he's just, like, inspecting shit. Um, he ends up getting a note saying to, like, pick drugs out of this doctor's bag for whatever reason. And the note was left by Anna, who knows shit because she's been keeping notes. And so... I would have to keep notes because I'd be like, okay, this person does this. See, I can't even repeat back any of their names because it's so much. Yeah, so... This is why we have to take notes. Yeah, he pretty much solves the murder, I believe. Like, for the most part. He he goes through the day, he's trying to tie loose ends from every other character, and by the time they get to the ball, he's like, he's there, he pulls Evelyn out, and he's like, hey, why don't you take michael and evelyn's body to a room so they can have a moment together so he goes to the room and he's like hiding and michael's like oh my god my sister and then as soon as the door closed he's like all right um gets a gun looking at his sister and is like seeing if he's she's really dead and then he's like trying to like like kill her for real and jim is like hey so that gun's not gonna shoot so what are you doing buddy so it turns out that um if Evelyn didn't marry Ravencourt, her mom was going to take her out of the will and going to take the brother out of the will. So she's like, I guess I got to marry this guy or I kill myself and then maybe nix the whole thing. But she was going to fake kill herself. So she had like a starter gun and a real gun. And so she shot the starter, starter gun, threw it in the pool and then like dropped the real gun on the grass and then like broke a vial of blood on her stomach. So it looked like she died. But she didn't actually die. She didn't actually die. So So what was the point of the whole game? I don't know. And so he's explaining, (laughs) Michael's explaining this thing. like, oh, I'm doing her a favor. You know, her life's going to be over if she's this, like, with this guy. And so he's taking a drink from a drink that was in the room that 
uh, Evelyn had drank from earlier. It was poisoned. Of course it was. And so they're both like having seizures at the same time, magically somehow, even though Evelyn drank this earlier. Um, so then Jim is like, oh, I still have those this, uh, antidotes and shit. So he mixes it all together and he's like, oh, I got to save one or the other. Blah. And so then he gives it to Evelyn. Right. Saves Evelyn's yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that happens. And that's when he realizes like, okay, so she's not actually trying, she's not getting murdered. She's like killing herself. So who's making her do that? So the eighth day, he's Gregory Gold. And um, that's when he pretty much figures out everything. They're, they, him and Anna meet in this like shack and they're talking things over and they go to the boathouse because this whole time they were at the house helena was nowhere to be found the mom and so they're like she probably has something to do with this like so they go to the boathouse where thomas hardcastle got killed and helena's kid she's like been dead in a boat for like like hours pretty much and they're like what the and so they're just there and then evelyn comes by and that's when we find out (laughs) this bitch is crazy so so evelyn killed helena yeah so evelyn's killed helena she killed a stable boy back in the past named keith parker she killed thomas hardcastle she killed her dad she killed uh millicent derby uh she killed her brother hold on i wrote it down (laughs) all right so she killed her parents she killed her brother she killed millicent derby and jonathan derby the rapist she killed the little boy keith parker and she killed thomas hardcastle so i think the half death is when she was trying to kill one of them and it didn't really work and so eventually the plague doctor's like yay you figured it out the whole time he was trying to tell aiden like only one of you can leave and he's like no i gotta save anna too because she's been helping me so the whole time he's like why am i here the plague doctor is like you actually chose to be here and aiden can't understand why anyone would do this yeah turns out this whole situation is like a prison okay and so criminals get sent here and he willingly went because he wanted to get revenge on Anna. Because in his real life, Anna murdered his wife. And so he went to go and get revenge on her. But he didn't remember anything. So it's like, well, what the fuck? What's the point? And so Anna doesn't remember anything either. And so the plague doctor's like, hey, you know, I can like, you know, let you both go since you both did like a great job. So go. And then at the end of the book, Aiden's like, I know it's going to be hard and we have to go into hiding, but I'm okay with it. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So that's pretty much my thought on this book. Are you kidding me? That is a lot. I don't know how to feel about that. Like, it's like an interesting concept, but very, it it is. It's like Clue. It's like Agatha Christie, but then it warps into like a prison thing. Like, that's strange. Like, it's like reminds me of that episode of Black Mirror. Did you see that one where it's this like black chick who wakes up in this random place and she's trying to like get help and like everybody in the neighborhood's just taking pictures of her and chasing her and like doing all this weird shit. I don't really watch Black Mirror because that show bums me out. Yeah, but it turns out she had accidentally killed a child that she kidnapped. And oh my so God. basically people pay to be in this experience and like chastise her and antagonize her oh my God. and then at the end of it when she like makes it to the end that's where she sees what she's done and then it all just happens again see and that's why i don't watch black mirror because every single episode is way too dystopic and depressing yes yeah, so... i've seen like four episodes and they've all made me sad yeah i gave up yeah it's pretty much a bummer but yeah this book um 
it's like an Agatha Christie kind of writing where it's like, oh, sport, blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, sometimes it's hard to get into because it can be fun, but it like it's fun to an extent. I feel like shorter books are fun when they're like that. Like novellas almost. But when it's like why the Great Gatsby is like two hundred pages. There's a reason why Agatha Christie's books are like two hundred pages. This is four hundred and sixty pages. That's a lot of pages of and then confusion. Like, half of it is him just not knowing what is going on. It's almost sci-fi. Yeah. It's like a sci-fi experiment. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting plot. It was, like, complex. Sure. But, um... Not your cup of tea. Yeah, the main character was kind of lame. And I don't like that I had no idea what was going on. So that when we found out, I'm like, well, now that I'm invested, I have no choice but to accept this shit. So wait. So why was he in prison? He wasn't. He chose to do that. He, like, willingly chose to do that. He so he could hunt down Anna, who was in prison? Yeah. But when he got there, he didn't remember anything, so he didn't know to kill Anna. Yeah. But then Anna ended up being his helper. Yeah. And but so only they... because she doesn't remember what she did either. Yeah. So it's like... But that's what I'm saying. So it's like... It's like ripped a person to their basic level, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Which, again, like... Okay... I mean, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't read it again. I might read it. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I might Um, vibe with it. Really? I don't know. I'm just saying. I haven't had much luck. Oh, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. The writing was nice. And like the plot, you know, turns were pretty good. I think it was just the whole beginning. I'm like, I'm tired of you saying that you don't remember shit. Okay. Like figure out something It gets very repetitive. Yeah. I think that was, so, uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I would give this two and a half murders out of five. <laughs> it wasn't horrible, but two it of wasn't... the murders are interesting. Five of them were not. Yeah, it 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 was all right. Yes. It, it was all right. Yes. I just it's wanted to see how the fuck it ended because I'm like, this is wild. Okay. Yeah. Wild. And then the last sixty pages, that's where everything ties up, and I'm like, oh, come on. I think you really have to be into mystery. Yeah. Like, you have to want to read a good mystery. I'm not really into mystery. I like to know what is happening right away. Yeah. I don't like it when they drag things out. I don't like mystery movies. I don't like mystery books. But... The only mystery thriller books I like are by Jillian Flynn. Because this bitch... Ugh. Just... She's the one who wrote Gone Girl, right? Yes. Yeah. And Sharp Objects, which they right. show on HBO. It is amazing. So good. Like, you don't know where it's going to go. And it's such great writing. But, like, other mystery books, sometimes I just find myself, like, already knowing what's going to happen. I don't know if I talked about it to you or on the podcast. I legitimately can't remember sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> literally, it all runs together. I got really into mystery in, like, middle school. And then, like, early high school. I would read so many mystery books, but it did get to a point for me where it was like they all became very repetitive Mm -hmm. and halfway through I figured out the answer and so I just gave up. Yeah, it gets kind of like... I Once you know the formula, that's why like it would really have to take me by surprise. Like I think I might like that. I mean, now I know the ending. (laughs) Well, that's also something you like too, right? Yeah, I... See, I'm a little bit weird. I don't mind spoilers because usually I like to know what already happens and then I'm just along for the ride and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. But um, sometimes I'm along for the ride, except sometimes a nice mystery is nice. But um, if I don't know the ending, I usually end up reading the back anyway or I guess it and then I know it. So I don't know. It's a coin toss. But 
90 percent of the time i'm not a mystery fan yeah um i got into like a mystery period and it started happening like that where yeah. like woman in cabin 10 girl on the train all that oh i jazz. remember that phase of yours yeah yeah i think with phases it's really dangerous in books because if you get into like one genre and one genre specifically you really have to kind of like repetitiveness Mm -hmm. it's like i like to jump around i need to know different things because then i'm just like i already know what's gonna happen that's why it's like interesting to me on book talk like everybody has all these spicy recommendations i'm just like they all sound the same to me also like now you're just like building on weird kinks you know what i mean and i'm pretty vanilla don't like that yeah i definitely do not like people touching me so that even goes for my husband i make an exception for him because i love him but like it is very it's not my natural inclination to touch people yeah yeah like i'm not a hugger i'm not a cuddler um i'm a volunteer doula and like that is like a battle in my mind too because i'm just like okay, I don't want to invade this person's space, but also they're so out of it that they don't care. But it's, like, not my natural inclination to be, like, nurturing. Like, right, right off the bat. I have to, like, calculate Warm the situation. Warm up to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I might try another mystery or whatever, but um, it was all right. Yeah. It wasn't the best. It was all right. Yeah. Sounds- I explained it okay. No, yeah, definitely. Like, I didn't get any of the characters, but I, I got the gist. Yeah, I'm just, like... <laughs> It didn't start getting interesting until, like, the fourth day. Yeah. it Like, I do like things like that. Like, I like Groundhog Day-type movies. Um, I mean, I like Groundhog Day, but I also like the show Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. Oh, Love yeah. that show. I never watched it. But I like it because in each episode, something is slightly different. Mm. I like that. Like, mm-hmm. So I think I might like this book because it is something It's like, a different point of view each time. Mm-hmm. I mean... At least it keeps it interesting, so he's not reliving the same character over and over. I think that in a book would get very repetitive. Yeah, if it was, like, from Anna's perspective, I'd be like, girl, bye. <laughs> I can't read Girl, it. bye. I don't know how that would work. Now I'm kind of curious to find another Groundhog-type day where they have to relive the same situation. One of my favorite episodes of Supernatural is when one of the characters relives the same day over and over. Does he know that he's doing it or not? He does, but okay. his brother doesn't. Oh. And his brother keeps dying. Oh. I think I've seen clips of that where he's, like, guessing what he's going to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's God, why. that would kill Because it was a Groundhog Day situation. Yeah. Yeah, I would hate that. Anyway, now on to the yep. book I read. Put my book down. <laughs> <laughs> so I first saw this book in Barnes & Noble, and the cover is what piqued my interest, because it was kind of like this chair that was bleeding. Um, it we was, love bleeding chairs. I am. Uh, it was very stark and it looked, you know, fun. And the title of the book that I read is The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. And now, if you don't know what a final girl is, she's the girl in all, like, the 80s, early 90s slasher films. She's the girl at the end who always survives. Who has, like, her boyfriend's shirt on and no pants. Yes. Always, <laughs> always pantsless or something. Yeah, buttoned down, a nice lacy bra, cotton panties, bikini style. But always terrorized, mm-hmm. always horrified. They do mention that a lot in the book. Yeah. That it's, like, exploitative. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it's, like, it was kind of girl powery for the 80s, but you go back and watch and you're like, hmm, didn't need to see a 10-second shot of her button yeah. underwear. But here we are. Yeah, like, there's nothing I like along with my horror than sexuality you know so speaking of guessing the endings <laughs> <laughs> i did i Yay. guessed it almost right away 
I had a really... I wanted to like this book so badly because the concept was so interesting to me because I like the trope of the final girl. Like, I think it's an interesting trope that it's always a woman who survives. I mean, even Alien did it, you know? Ripley is the last one to survive. But it didn't work for me. Yeah. You read the description in Barnes Noble and I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Like, tell me how it is. So I'm bummed for you. So the basic premise of the book it's an homage to all those slashers so it's a support group of women who were all final girls and they're each based like you do have to know the old slashers they're all based on one of those movies so we have adrian julia danny marilyn lynette and heather adrian is friday the 13th okay she survived a, um at a camp Mm-hmm. And it was kind of different where it's like the guy chasing him down was like, it's because my son died. Okay. You know, and a bunch of camp counselors didn't save him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, yeah. Jason Voorhees died. Yeah. But the twist of that is that he never had a son and mm-hmm. he was just crazy. Okay, okay. But either way, she was the final girl of that. Um, Julia is Scream. Okay. So her boyfriend and a friend did like a meta thing because they wanted her to be a final girl. Um, she's also now wheelchair bound. Oh, so thanks. Super depressing there. Love that. Um, Danny is Halloween. Okay. And there are little twists to it. So with Danny, her hang up is that um, her brother escaped the psych ward and came after her. And then she bludgeoned him to death. But there is a question in the air whether or not it was actually her brother who had murdered a bunch of people or if it was a different person. Oh. And then. Great thing to live with. <laughs> Marilyn, um, her story was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, now she's super rich, so she's living her life. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least let that be the fucking outcome. Heather was Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. And she is now a drug addict. A recovering drug addict, but her character's a little rough. I would be on freaking drugs too, man. Jeez. And uh, most of them have some sort of, obviously, issue. Now, Lynette... Um, I was not familiar with her story because it wasn't one of the ones that I ever watched. Um, I think it was based off of something called Black Christmas. Oh, I've never heard of that. Or one of those. It's like a home invasion. It was like a home invasion type movie. Okay. Um, She is our main character. So everything's told from her first person point of view. Hmm. So anyway, so it's these bunch of women. They meet up the first Thursday of every month in a support group and they meet with their psychiatrist Dr. Carol and it's kind of devolved into just like petty squabbles now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have such different personalities and they all have a lot of hangups that they all just kind of end up sniping at each other and then a bunch of them are kind of like, why are we even still meeting? Also, Because at this point they're all older women. Yeah. um, They range from like 30 to 50. Whoa. So it's like, it's been years since their trauma has happened. Also, mm, I feel like women are more evolved than that. You know what I mean? If it's been something that's occurring after a certain amount of time, like, I don't think they would still be doing that. But also, this is where it comes through that the narrator, so Lynette, our main character, she's not exactly the most reliable narrator. Oh, okay. Okay. So when she starts off the story she kind of does this thing where she was like we all know this is truth and this is why we're doing this and this is what we have to do but it's like 
all the other character interactions, you're like, okay, well, that's not true. Yeah. But you don't really know that until you kind of pay attention to what the other characters are saying. Anyway, so the book starts off. It's Lynette. From the first page, I was not on board. (laughs) I mean, obviously. I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) (laughs) So the first page did something that I really don't like in literature, where it describes her, like, wake-up routine. Mm -mm. But it's like... So I jumped out of bed and then I brushed my hair and then I, and then it does describe like, it is important to the story because it describes how on edge and kind of unhinged she is. But also that's literally the beginning of every 80s horror movie where it's like the popular girl like getting out of bed, going to shower, having orange juice, all that crap. But it was just like, it kind of reminded me of like a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like I wake up in the morning and it's like okay we don't we don't really need to know that and look at my blue orbs in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> it kind of has that vibe I'm sorry Grady Hendrix but it kind of had that vibe for me um but you do see so she has her morning routine where she does a bunch of exercises she's like I'm a final girl and so I have to stay in shape because they never stop hunting final girls so in this universe um these were made into movies like all their traumas were made into movies oh so they were like real life things that happen and then people are like oh let's make a movie out of it and so it's kind of meta in that way Mm. anyway so she's like oh there were all these blockbuster movies that happened in the 80s of everything that happened to us and then there were the sequels and the monster always comes back and da 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 and you're like So it is kind of hard. You're like, you have to suspend your disbelief. You're like, okay, so the movie says the monster comes back. So that automatically means that's going to happen in real life. It kind of relates to real life. Okay. And crossovers and sequels. And each chapter title is kind of titled after um, how a sequel or a movie would be titled in this slasher genre. So it is, again, it is a big homage to those movies. Okay. So she goes to the support group. One of the girls isn't there. Adrian. Okay. And all the girls start arguing. Heather, she's the Nightmare on Elm Street girl. She clearly has issues and her biggest thing is like snacks. So she starts like this whole argument about snacks. I mean, do you? She's like, at my AA meetings, they always have snacks. Why don't we have snacks here? Honey, if you're going for snacks, you have a problem. Okay. And Marilyn is really rich because she married um, like a high powered Republican guy. And she's, like, sitting there with Starbucks, and she was like, God, Heather, fine, we'll get a pizza for you. <laughs> and she's like, not all of us can afford Starbucks. <laughs> okay. Like, you guys are just on edge, man. And But it's all taking place from Lynette's point of view, and so she's stressing out because Adrian isn't there, mm-hmm. and it's been 30 also, minutes in the meeting. She's, like, already, like, ratcheted up to, like, a level 50, like, paranoid, like, expecting something to happen. Everything from her point of view, like, obviously she is traumatized, (laughs) but that's what makes it kind of hard to get through this book is that her mind just kind of rambles on. Yeah. I remember you telling me where it's like, she's just panicking the whole time. The whole time. And so, um, two of the girls' phone starts going off and I'm like, why are you not connecting that to Adrian's disappearance? But instead she just gets angry. She's like, like just how, answer your phone. How did you become a final girl by not being stupid? Right? So like, come on. She makes so many dumb decisions that I'm just like, uh, I don't. Anyway. <laughs> How'd you make it? <laughs> so it turns out Adrian's dead. 
Okay, shocker. Shocking. I know, right <laughs> off the bat, I was like, obviously Adrian's dead. Like, if their phones are going off and Adrian's not there, Adrian's dead. They um, find out that, so Adrian is the one who is based off Friday the 13th. Okay. She is the one who profited most from her trauma. Okay. So you find out that she was, like, the best of them. Okay. So they started making movies on her trauma and she sued the company because they made the main character white when she was black in real life. So she came after them, but of course she's the one to die. Yeah. (sighs) So that's another trope that was like... Brady! God. (laughs) So... She made all this money from, like, movies and talk shows and stuff, and she tried to support the other girls and bring them in and do, like, crossovers and sequels, and she kept making her movies, but made sure that she had all the rights. Oh, okay. So she was now claiming, and so it set the precedent for all the other girls to have the rights to their movies. Mm. She reopened her camp where she was terrorized. Bro. Like, horror movie mistake number one, first off. Like, don't. Just make a new one. Like, now a fanatic's gonna be like, now I'm gonna murder someone. And that was the big point of the book. Look at that. Is the fanatics. See, it's easy. It's easy to get where this is going. So she reopens the camp. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> someone starts killing all the camp counselors. <laughs> and another final girl is left. So there's a new one. Her name is Heather. No, not Heather. Sorry, that's one of the characters. Stephanie. I was like, dang, another one? <laughs> no, Stephanie. So there's a high school girl named Stephanie. She's a final girl now. Poor girl. And so... Why it... would you work at a camp where <laughs> this actually exists in your universe? Are you crazy? Open by the bitch who was the final girl. Are you crazy? Thank you. Thank you. Stephanie. So frustrating. And so someone came into Adrian's home and killed her. I mean, what... A surprise. Stabby, stab, stab, stab. What a surprise. And so now they're all panicking. And this is where it just takes off. Lynette is just bonkers now. So It literally took one of them dying. And she's like, I knew it. <laughs> she's like, they're coming for us. The sequel is on. And she refers to it as like sequels and crossovers and things like that. It's very odd. Is this the CW? Like, it, honey. I think you... You really have to like slashers, but you also really have to like manic writing. And I don't. And I live in a manic brain. So no. So as soon as she leaves the meeting, it's like five pages, not literally, but it feels like forever on a description of how she gets home. Because she takes buses and she takes cabs and then she gets off on different streets and she goes round and round and round and round and she counts all the shoes. That's what she does. She's like, it's easy to change your hat, but it's not easy to change your shoes. Because she's super paranoid. So she winds up at home. And this is where she describes her home. And I mean, it's an apartment. But it's like a rundown apartment. And because it's rundown and cheap, the landlord didn't care what she did to it. So she like turned it into a metal cage. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand the description. Like I couldn't visualize it. But Panic room? like Kind of. And there's like mesh in front of her door. Like a mesh cage. Okay. In front of her door that you have to get through. So it's like you have to get through the door to get into the cage, which is her apartment. Okay. And then within her apartment, she has a panic room. I'm guessing she doesn't have guests over. No, never. Nobody knows her address. Yeah. Not even the girls in the support club. Shocking. She gave Julia, who's Scream. Mm -hmm. She gave Julia an envelope with her address in it on the off chance 
that she didn't text her for a check-in. She has a a text check-in with Julia. Yeah. At 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Every day? Every day. Oh, my God. Just to let her know I'm alive. Mm. Girl, Girl is crazy. Girl... They all have a psychiatrist. I don't know why she doesn't utilize her yeah, better. Yeah, clearly. My God. And she has a plant called Fine. Okay. That she talks to right. in her mind. So she's not fine, though. And the plant talks back to her. So that's a weird dialogue situation. Mm-hmm. But again, so it's like manic ramblings. She's panicking. She doesn't know what to do. And then Julia shows up at her door in her wheelchair and she's like pounding on the door and she's like I couldn't see who it was and she's like oh it's just Julie in her wheelchair I need to look down dude fucking <laughs> rude okay. and um uh Julia is like let me in let me in and she's like I can't I can't let anyone in my cage no one's allowed in my cage she's like freaking out she can't walk you're really gonna make her like use her arms all over again to leave so she rolls away and then there's more knocking at the door and she looks and it's somebody in the scream mask holding a knife to Julia's neck and is like, let me in or I'm going to kill Julia. So Lynette. All right. <laughs> right. I bet. <laughs> so that's why I don't open the door. Duh. So Lynette is like, our first rule is that we always have each other's backs because we're final girls. So we have to stay final girls. And so she grabs a gun and she gets to the mesh and she fires and it turns out the bullets don't make it through the mesh. No, duh. That's... Well, the guy who did it was like, I guarantee the bullets will get through the mesh if you have to shoot someone at your door. Oh. And she's like, well, that was a lie. Yeah. And it turns out to be a reporter who disguised himself and Julie was like, you weren't letting me in. I had to do something. Wow. That's... So she's like, you leave that costume outside, then I'll let you in. And they, they spend a lot of time discussing that he peed himself. So oh. he, like, wet himself. Oh, when she, like, put the gun. Shot at him. Yeah, like, you really shouldn't fuck with someone who was, like, literally in a life she or death situation. She is unstable. Yeah. Don't test her. You, like, triggered, used the, like, the most triggery trigger for this bitch. <laughs> like, she's obviously You're crazy. lucky you didn't die and you just wet your pants. So, <laughs> she lets them in. And they're all discussing now that Heather's halfway house has been burned down. Okay. Because Heather is the drug alcohol addict. Okay. Her halfway house burned down. They don't know if she's alive or not. Oh, that's where she was living? Yeah, she was living in the halfway house. Okay. And so um, Lynette is like, well, someone's coming after us then and they're coming after all of us. How do they all know we're connected? And she's like piecing it all together. Are you stupid, bro? You meet every Thursday. Nobody knows that. Okay. It's like the one thing that's secret. Okay. Everybody keeps it hush-hush. And the reporter is kind of like, I could help tell you a story. You know, I could help you guys. And she's like, I don't trust you because you're a reporter. You just want money. And then all of a sudden, they start getting shot at. And she, are they still like outside talking? No, they're inside her apartment. And from her window, they start getting shot at by like machine guns. So the windows shatter? Yes. So there's bullets. Bitch, now, you live in a cage, but you didn't think... Bulletproof she- your glass. I know. As a final girl, that's a stupid mistake. You notice that, like, for as much as she's like, I'm super prepared. She's not prepared at all. Yeah. She's 0% you prepared. didn't think to test the mesh before. Didn't test the mesh. Turns out she's not even that great of a shot. She's never been to a shooting range. So it's like, how are you prepared? All you do is do, like, a basic gym routine in the morning. Also, I would feel hella anxious knowing how ill-equipped I am to survive, too. Just say that. And so, she books it. 
She spends the whole time talking about how they don't leave each other behind. She straight you up have legs, bitch. Bye. Leaves Julia, and she's like, she'll be fine. <laughs> Her biggest regret. She spends like one sentence, like, "Oh, I left Julia. I'm, you know, sad about that." But my plant. Who am I going to talk to now? She has in her mind, fine, the plant is talking to her. He's like, don't leave me. And she's like, I'm sorry. Talk to her plant. Yeah. It's a plant. Yeah. I mean, like, I like plants too, but. You left a whole person back You left there. two people. The you reporter left... actually. I know. Like, are you serious? And so she starts running. And this whole thing gave me a headache. So she's going round and round. She has, like, two escape routes. And neither of them are viable anymore like she goes to get her um escape car all the tires are slashed she goes to this place i think it was like a train station or something where she stashed stuff in a locker and the lock had been changed so she's like something has been tampered with i can't trust anything of that and then she's running around L.A. This all takes place in L.A. She's running around like a chicken Bro, with her head cut off. Why are you living in such a populated area? And she's like, I could move to the desert. I could stay off the grid. You could have been doing that from the start. You literally could have literally been doing that already. Like, made friends with an actual live coyote instead of a fucking <laughs> plant. It was just so exhausting. And this is like the first, like, 200 pages. Just her just running around, just acting crazy. And so she calls her psychiatrist, Dr. Carol, and she's like, you know, I need help. And I think the police are after me now. Because the police have her building surrounded. Okay. So somehow someone set her up for something. I don't know. Okay. So (laughs) Dr. Carol is like, okay, you know, let let me come get you. And she's like, no, no, we're going to meet here. Because she's like super paranoid. So again, she runs around. She's like, meet me here in an hour. And so she's running, 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 running. And then Dr. Carol picks her up, brings her back to her house. And she's like, okay, um, this is my home. So no guns. Please don't be crazy. And she's like, I'm keeping my gun. Mm. And Dr. Carol has two children. Mm. She has Sky and Pax. Like you're inviting a psycho into your house and the psycho is refusing to follow basic rules. She is so mean. To the little kid. The little kid is like eight years old. And she's like screaming at Dr. Carol. And the little kid's like, don't be mean to my mommy. And she like shoves him. <laughs> and she tells him to fuck off. Literally. And she's like, Dr. Carol's like, don't swear at my kids. And she's like, well, fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. And then her other kid, Sky. How do you expect anyone to want to help you when you're being a jerk like this? Sky is 26. And he's super interested in her home invasion story. And so she lifts up her shirt to show all her scars of where she was tortured for five mm. hours. It's like, um, Unnecessary. And Sky, hint, hint, is suspiciously interested in her story. Yeah. Do you see where this is going? Yeah. 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 Guess what? Spoiler alert. Yeah. He's the one doing it all. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Shocking. I got to that part and I'm like. Nope, he's the murderer. Got it. Check. Yeah, now I can not think and pay attention. And so she stays at Dr. Carol's, but then she starts getting, like, you know, her paranoid self again. And so she enlists Guy's help to get her out and get her back to her house. And she's like, okay. Like, you're magically trusting of this stranger all of a sudden when you were, like, psycho about meeting with your therapist. And that's what she talks about 
how much she doesn't trust him, but then she trusts him. It's very strange. It's like she's so paranoid about everything, but then she just trusts the most random people. And you're like, you're not very smart. Yeah, like it's either all or nothing. And for you, it's nothing. So they go back to her apartment and she tells Sky, she's like, okay, you're going to sneak in this way. You're going to let me in. I need to grab something from my apartment. And it has like police tape over it. So she gets in there and he's like, why can't you just talk to them? Like they'd understand. And she's like, I have three caches full of weapons in there. And the whole place is a cage. They're going to assume I'm a terrorist. I'm like, I mean, fair point. I mean, that's probably the most, like, true thing you've said. And so she goes in and you find out she is a writer for, like, romance novels. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how she makes her money. She, like, writes them under a pen name. Mm. Like, I don't think it's that easy to get a writing contract, but that's none of my business. Also... How the f- manage with all of the inner thoughts in your head? How do you manage to sit down and write for long? It was the time? most random, out of left field thing. And girl, what do you know about romance? And that's why she was. She used the excuse that it's like, um, or the reasoning that it's so different from her real life that she can like it's something she can separate herself, and it's a healing process. So then it's revealed that she actually is writing a book about the Final Girl Support Group. That's where we get the title of the book. And um, Sky was like, well, you don't download, like, attachments, right? And she's like, no. She lied. She downloads all the attachments. So someone got in through her computer. She's like, I'm writing a book, and I put all our personal information in there. Are you stupid? Yeah. Are you stupid? Yeah. Yeah. So as a person who won't let, like, a person you actually know into your house, but, like, like, now you're a... Oh, no. Now you're, uh, you're letting, you're like, you open attachments. Yeah. So she grabs her hard drive from her computer mm-hmm. because it has the book on it. And so she's super paranoid now that she's the leak, you know, because someone mentioned earlier in the book that someone's a leak and, um, they're oh, like, in the support group. Yeah. Okay. And they're like, oh, it's probably Heather because we all know she wants money. And she's like, I don't think it's Heather. Yeah. Cause she knows it's herself, but she's not willing to tell anyone that. Like, these people's lives are in danger because of you? She is a hard protagonist to get behind because she's so irritating and her thoughts are so repetitive yet so all over the place. And then, so she runs away and she gets to Marilyn. Marilyn is the rich one. Okay. She's the one who survived the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Who married the Republican. Yes. And she's having like a soiree at her place, Mm -hmm. like a fundraiser. And so a bunch of security guards stop Lynette because she tried to climb over the wall to this woman's house. Like... Because she lives in, like, a mansion. But still, like, the fuck? Rude. Rude. And she has her gun, like, freaking out. Security guards pin her and they're like, um, yeah, we're throwing you out because you look like a crazy person and you're trying to break into our house. And, uh, Marilyn comes out and she's like, oh, hello, darling. Like, Marilyn's really weird. They're all not likable. Yeah. Like, you've strayed so far from, like, the normal person you used to be to cope, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. But they're all... We'll get to this a little bit later. But I think this book would have been a lot more interesting told from any of the other's perspectives. Lynette is just too all over the place. Like, she has, like, OCD and, like, problems and stuff like that. Obviously trauma-related, but it's, like... I can't keep reading 
her thoughts over and over because it's giving me a headache. But also, like, you're, like, reading from her point of view and you're, like, you're making so many mistakes. So many. How do you not get that? And so Marilyn brings her to her pool house and she's like, stay here until the freaking fundraiser is over and I'll come talk to you. And she's like, you're going to come talk to me in an hour. And she's like, I'll come talk to you when the fundraiser is over. And she's like, one hour. You came to my house. Stop making demands, ma'am. So she gets in the pool house and Heather's there. So Heather didn't die. Oh, okay. She's fine. Turns out she went on a bender after learning Adrian died and got really drunk behind the halfway house. Mm. And the halfway house burned down. So she woke up. But she's like, but now everybody probably thinks I did it. Mm, yeah. So um, they're both in the pool house and they're like sniping with each other. And that's really frustrating to read because it's just like. There's so much going on. It and, gives me a headache. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? They, they want to turn this into a TV series. And I'm like, what? not watching. They actually want to do that with this movie, too. Or this I'm not too. surprised. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> so, she's trying to convince Heather that there's, like, some nefarious plot to kill all the final girls. And Heather's just like, yeah, I don't care. And she's like, you can't stay here because I have a really cushy life living in this pool house. And you're going to ruin it. So, they try to leave the pool house to get back to Maryland. Fair enough. And the security guards are like, stay in the freaking house. What the fuck did she tell you? And then Marilyn finally comes and she's like, well, it ended at 1 a.m. And that's horrible for a fundraiser. And she's like, because the police showed up and they're looking for both of you. Mm-hmm. And Lynette is like, and there's like reporters and stuff too. So it chased away all the celebrity guests because they don't want paparazzi snapping photos of them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so now all the little lion cubs that we're trying to save don't have money. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a whole different thing. It's a whole, like, they all have these, like, random side causes where you're just like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Right, yeah Good for okay, you. Right. You're moving on. Like, Lynette's not, but all y'all. Anti-Tiger King. Got it. And. <laughs> I am never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jay quote that to each other. It's so. That's when a tiger bit one of his workers' arms off. And I'm not going to lie. This is where I started skimming. Okay? Because it kept being so repetitive. So repetitive. And so she's trying to figure out what's going on. And she ends up leaving Marilyn's pool house. And she winds up um, getting Stephanie. Okay. The new final one. The new final girl. And going on like a rampage through LA because I'm sorry that is so manipulative to get the one chick who like has no idea about that's anything what, she's so unlikable that she's is so, so unlikable so it's hard to read because it's like all over the place but it's like her just coming to these conclusions and all her conclusions always end up being wrong and you find out she's not the leak her book was not the leak okay because it's sky yeah so, <laughs> you open your drive or something, and Sky's like, <laughs> got her. <laughs> also, so she keeps coming to conclusions about who the real murderer is, and I don't know because I guessed it was already Sky. Like every time she did, I was like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Who else do you know showed a genuine interest in your story? Because she's like, Dummy. most people look away from my scars, but he just took them in. Yeah, it sounds like someone who... Sounds like a weirdo. Sounds, sounds sound like a weirdo. Like someone's into it. Yeah. And they have, like, a weird... Of course they do. ...thing. Of course they makes do. Makes me uncomfortable. Of course they do. Because even though he's, like, an adult, like, he's 26, 
but that's your therapist son that's already she's like 45 so it's weird she's like i still got it it's uncomfortable (laughs) so she's running around la she's trying to get all the girls together that sounds like a great idea danny she's halloween okay she gets arrested because she has a wife and her wife is dying from cancer and now all the girls are being investigated and so the cops come to get her to question her and she shoots at them because they're trying to take her away from her wife yeah so they put her wife in um hospice hospice hospice, and they take her (laughs) to the police station and so that's going on and Lynette is just so focused on herself of course she is but then like I gotta get all these she's like okay well and then she finds out that Julia the one in the wheelchair that came to see her she survived thank god I know but she's in hospital fucked her over she's in hospital now even more paralyzed and I'm like you're just not a nice person what happened to her she got shot Oh. All the bullets came through the window. One of them hit her. Oh. So she was like, deuces. Didn't even check to see if they no. were okay. Why to everyone was like, oh, I called an ambulance. Wow. Because she didn't want the guilt of everyone judging her. Sky, kill her horribly, please. Yeah. Please. And what a bitch. <laughs> so it's really hard to root for her because you're like, you're just, if you're going to be selfish, just admit it. Don't lie to everyone. Girl, right? Like, she's like, no, no, I'm a good person. It's like, no, you're not. You're not, a, like, you clearly have issues, but whatever. You should not be left alone. So she's trying to make sure everyone's safe, and she's just like, okay, she's in a hospital, so she's fine. She's arrested, so she's in a jail cell, so she's fine. Have you not seen any movies? Marilyn has security, so she's fine. And it's like... Just absolving herself from not giving a fuck about them. Yeah, but then also still trying to save them, and they wind up back at the lake at the um place and this is where we figure out that stephanie is working with sky they're a couple mm -hmm. well yeah he'd want not an old lady so it turns out that sky was jealous that his mom was so focused on all these final girls because that's what she like specialized in not necessarily final girls but in um trauma like that like women survivors yeah I'm so mad at my mom for doing her job. And like, you know, didn't pay attention to me. Me, 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 me. So he reached out to Stephanie and like manipulated her and like formed a trauma bond with her. Okay. And because the horrific stuff happened to her, she was like, well, I can't. This was after. Yeah. Okay. So she was like, well, I can't protect myself from anything. So I might as well join them. Mm. So, uh, but she's like a loose cannon. Yeah. She's a kid. She's traumatized yeah and um so they end up killing sky and then stephanie gets arrested and then it ends on like this neat tied bow heather goes off to like fight the dream king or like find him or something which is because she's the nightmare on elm street girl and um i don't know i just kind of skimmed that (laughs) and i was like i'm so bored (laughs) Yeah, like, this could have been so interesting. Like, if I think if it had been told from Heather's point of view, Nightmare on Elm Street, that could have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. That was the one that was at the halfway house. Right. Yeah. She could have been an interesting character to follow. Especially since, like, from the bat, she didn't arrive at the meeting. So everyone's like, so that would have been interesting. No, no, no. Adrian. Just kidding. Yeah. Adrian is Friday the 13th. Okay. She's the one who's dead, dead. Oh, okay. She's dead. Okay. But... 
Heather was the drug addict, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halfway House. She would have been fun to follow because she was unhinged as well. And she kind of, owned it, though. And that was her big thing. She was just like, because Lynette in the very beginning is in the group and Marilyn, the rich one, is like, why are we even still meeting? Let's just disband. And Lynette's like, we can't disband. Heather needs us. And Heather's like, what? Bitch, you need us. And then everybody gets like uncomfortably quiet. And they're like, we're here for you. And Lynette's like, I'm not the crazy one. Heather's the crazy one. Heather was on drugs. And they're like, yeah, but she's getting help. You're not. You know what? Um, Your unhinged ass made you, <laughs> like, made your house a prison. So. That's pretty psycho. It just wasn't for me. Mm. And I think. If, <laughs> <laughs> if you like slasher movies you might like it but it is a little bit all over the place and she does spend a good portion of the book basically jumping from one point to the other around LA taking all these like crazy driving and she's just like dealing with her PTSD and you kind of are along for the ride and she's coming to all these conclusions that turn out to be wrong so you're like I already know the answer and you're wrong that's like it was very exhausting to read. I'll say that. Like I had to take like ten minute breaks. Oof. Like every five minutes, I was like ten minute break. Yeah, I uh, was telling you this. I listened to the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slang Slang Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Yeah, and it was infuriating as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. Maybe because like we're both pretty independent thinking people. And this book took place in the 90s in a conservative, like, town and, like, conservative people. So it was like, <sighs> I knew what this character should do. And she kept debating with herself whether to do it. But she wasn't doing it. And I'm like, are you getting me, like, screaming in my car? Like, are you serious? Get on with it. Yeah, so. The plot is so meandering that you're just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an A to B to C to D person. And this was just kind of like, and here, and here, and here. And I'm like, I need a actual good plot to follow. I think if the girls were actually being picked off and attacked, like, one by one, and it was more of a slasher thriller, instead of Lynette just being, like, a chicken with her head cut off, yeah. it could have been interesting. Again, great idea. Not my favorite execution. Um three out of ten final girls mm, 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 mm. not my cup of tea i'm glad i only rented this book mm, mm -hmm. like uh, for free and didn't buy it because i would have been let down to have this in my actual library so um yeah not my vibe yeah what is it with the the southern book club's guy just slang slang vampires what it, a mouthful by the way it does the thing that twilight did where it's like this thing happened not twilight but new moon or then like all of a sudden months pass and you're like Ugh. so like things like sort of end but like kind of just with things open and yeah. it's like three years later i'm like are you kidding me she still hasn't like done what she's supposed to do kills me kills yeah. me that this is still going on yeah so i i think i just wanted more more slashy more killy like if we're gonna be final girls in a slasher like let's have some slashing and also like 
earn the badass name of Final Girl. Like, Lynette, no. Like, I didn't mind that they all had their trauma responses and they were all dealing with things in different ways. Like, Marilyn used to be an alcoholic, but she got clean, married Mm -hmm. rich, etc. Adrian owned her trauma and went on to become pretty successful. So it's like, I don't mind the PTSD angle. It's just reading it is so exhausting because she never stops. And it's like 90% of it is in her head. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like her thought, her thought, her thought, and then randomly talking to her plant. And which the ending, her plant is fine. I'm thank God for that. Fine is fine. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I wasn't. You don't grow attached to any of the characters because they're not very likable. Yeah. So I did actually look up the reviews on Goodreads. And, um, I mean, obviously there were quite a few people who loved this book. Which, good for you. Do it. But a lot of the lower reviews, like the three out of fives, the two out of fives, Mm. everything they said is kind of reflecting what I'm saying. Where it's the same feeling where it's just like the writing style didn't connect. And so if you kind of like that fast-paced, manic, jumbled thinking writing, then you'll probably enjoy this book. And it is a cool concept. But if you like things to kind of be a little bit more like plot-driven linear, I don't think you're going to like this. Well, I think for me, like we've all watched these movies and we've all watched these characters triumph at the end and survive. And it's kind of like disappointing to realize that like this is what they've turned into. Yeah. Or Lynette is like... Have you not, like, coped with anything? It kind of reminded me of Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the new Halloween where she's like, he's gonna come after me again. And her daughter is like, mom, God, stop. Yeah, like, you've just shaved, like, 15 years of all of your life still worrying about this thing. Yeah. But at least that, it was like her killer was still out there. Where I guess Lynette's was too. Again, I'm a little fuzzy because, again, I skimmed. (laughs) wonderful reader. <laughs> I'm a great reader when I'm not interested in a book. <laughs> I just wish I would have liked it more. I might try it again, but I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah, I'm gonna give you this book so that you can read it and see if you like it. I think for me, because like... I want you to read just like the first five to twenty pages of my book, just so you can get the vibe of it. Okay. I, uh... I think because we have a lot of things going on in our in our personal lives that when we're sitting down to read a book, like, we have such high expectations. Right. And if I'm thinking too many things about the plot, like, I'm not focused on, like, trying to escape. I'm just mad that I'm having to read this thing. <laughs> so I totally feel the frustration. That would be super annoying. Yeah. I was like, okay, I wanted, I wanted to like the character. I just didn't like her. I think... That's an important thing when you're reading is that you have to read, especially if it's a first person novel. Oh my God, this one was first person too. You have to like the character. If you don't like the character, you're not going to enjoy the book. And I did not like her. Mm. Like you feel bad for her. Clearly she needs help, but you're just, it's so drawn out all her manic ramblings. And it's just like, okay. I feel like I was reading more of like her diary. I wasn't reading a book. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't reading a novel. Yeah. So you, you have to like that. And I think it would have been better if it was written like a diary. That could have been cool. Mm -hmm. And then it really would have been like an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. But this was like, it was told in the format of a book. So I was just like, oh, she's just not fun to read. (sighs) Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Any of the other characters might've been fun to read about. But she just wasn't. Yeah. 
well, now I'm just like super bummed about Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched, yeah, the 1980s Dune. Because I was like, I don't even really know the plot of Dune. And it was really hard to get into in the book. I was very confused. And once I watched the movie, I mean, it's not a good movie. It's a horrible movie. (laughs) We have such low opinions of everything. We're such negative Nancys. (laughs) One of these days, I will read something. It'll just blow my mind. Yeah, I can't wait. Waiting for that day. That's what this podcast is for. We don't even know next month's book at this point. No, we don't. I have have no idea. I'm I'm not setting an expectation at all. We're just going to pick something random, so you guys are just going to have to be surprised. Mm, yeah. Sorry if you're trying to read along. <laughs> Sucks. But, um, yeah, I so I kind of got the grasp of the plot of Dune. It's really political. Not a big political person. Yeah, I was okay with Hunger Games because it was, like, YA political, but, like... And also it was, like, you know, deathmatch stuff, and I kind of dig that. Yeah. But um, sci-fi political, like, I don't know if I could read Star Wars books. No. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so uh, that pretty much ties up this episode of Novel Idea. Yeah. So if you want to check those books out, once again, it was... The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. Uh, Three and a half stars out of five. And the final girl support group by Grady Hendricks. Two and a half out of five. You said two, no, three out of ten. So well, it... I changed it. Okay, all right, two, two and a half out of five. I don't know what what scale you want. It's kind of low. Yeah, to the low end. Good yeah. concept. Like it wasn't zero. Bad follow through. It wasn't zero. Yeah, but it's not five. So Grady Hendricks, I just don't think is my cup of tea. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, next month. We don't know what we're going to read. Yeah. Are we going to read separate books? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know yet. But um, I don't know. Maybe we'll figure out a book and add a little addendum to the end of this podcast and just be like, this is the book. Yeah. 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 That'll probably be a good idea. So yes. I'll, someone will insert something in there about it. Yes. But right here. Okay. So this is Athalia. I'm just inserting in what we're going to be reading for next month. It's a book called Iron Widow by Jiran J. Zhao. Um, so if you want to read along with us, that's the book that we're going to read. Thank you for tuning in. You can go to novelideapodcast.com. That's where you'll find all our socials, our email, question, comment, concerns, recommendations. If anyone has a book they'd like to recommend. Yeah. Novel Idea Podcast on TikTok. Um, Novel Idea Pod on Twitter. Novel Idea Podcast, Instagram. It's all Novel Idea Podcast. Yeah. You can find us. It's our pictures are up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you watch the videos, I mean... Obviously, if you're just listening, you don't know what we look like. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Have a good day. Bye.